Welcome in to the His and Hers podcast. I'm Zach Ben alongside my sister Paige. And today we cover all of the NFL week two action and provide our three biggest takeaways from what it all means. That's all next here on the His and Hers podcast. Alrighty, Paige. Week two is nearly in the books. We still have the rare case of a doubleheader tomorrow. The Patriots and Dolphin game is going on right now. I believe the Patriots just scored, so 17-10 in favor of the Dolphins. And uh, so we will provide updates, uh, I guess our thoughts maybe, if it, if it wraps up before we finish taping. But overall, how are you, Paige? Are you doing well? I am doing lovely. Sunday fun day. Uh, just watched football for seven hours straight, so no complaints here. We were talking yesterday, um, and uh, I wanted to, uh, I guess, ask you, well, ask the audience, I guess is a better way to say it, when... How many words in a job title are too many before it becomes a made-up job title? What would you put the over/under on that page? Uh, six. Six. I want to know a job title that has six. <laughs> I know it's gonna be made up. So to provide a little background, Paige recently uh, got promoted. Congratulations! So Soft clap. Thank you. Thank you. Um. But uh, tell them your title. <laughs> director, of, director of Experiential Marketing. That's the greatest title of all time. <laughs> Did you put six because yours is five? <laughs> Mine's four. Four. Okay. <laughs> oh, yikes. Okay. <laughs> I, and I was just laughing with her because I was like, okay, so there's director of marketing, but then experimental. Is Experiential. Like- I'm all about, it's all about experiences, you know, it's physical, it's the intimate, it's all the sides, everything except digital. That's what experiential marketing is. That's just, that's just a buzzword. That just makes me laugh. That's one of the greatest. Uh, I just saw that, you know, on, on LinkedIn um, and, uh, you know, because I don't hear this from you. I hear this from your post or, <laughs> or whatever. And uh, it just made me laugh because it just uh, was like the perfect modern day, like tech company type of job title. It was awesome. We got to love a tech world. Um, Zach, you had a major accomplishment yesterday. Why don't you tell the people about what you did? Thank you. I finished a marathon. Loud clap. Loud clap. Thank you. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Um, I learned a ton. I was off to a tremendous start faster than I had was anticipating. I ended up like kind of slowing down tremendously and it was, and I, and it wasn't to my wind or my legs, like tiring. I just messed up my nutrition so, so bad throughout the race. I just wasn't getting enough sodium. And I, from what I read that the course was supposed to provide a lot of it. They had a lot of bananas and electrolytes, water, but they didn't have like salt tablets or those gel packs that will provide provide that to to your muscles. Anyway, so I ended up de- dealt with like really bad cramping in my quads specifically. Like, and so I was running kind of hobbled. It was it was a strange little four miles, but uh, it was fun. 
it caused uh, a lot of pain, but uh, I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, Third. I just think that in in combination with this, I just want to tell a little story about how in January, my older sister, Zach, and I have all gotten really into running over the past like two years. And so the beginning of the year, we're like, hey, we should all run a marathon together. We're like, yeah, let's run the St. George Marathon together. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So yep. then uh, me and my sister signed up for the St. George Marathon on October 7th. And we assume Zach's done the same thing. And then about two months ago, I messaged about like something about the St. George Marathon. He's like, oh, actually, I signed up for a different one. <laughs> okay. And I've told you this, but here's the problem. <laughs> What date is the St. George Marathon? October 7th. What date is Piper's birthday, my daughter? October 6th. I, I just couldn't swing it. Who doesn't want to spend their birthday in a warm, red rock, beautiful place? Excellent question. My, my point to that was not all of us work in a tech world where there's <laughs> unlimited PTO, and I have this vacation coming up that I couldn't, you know... <laughs> take weekends out you know i'm in car sales and saturdays are very important and so i had to space out the saturdays that i'm gone and so yeah we don't we don't need to air dirty laundry you on did his and hers podcast but, but you did you just chose, had to give, you will you had to get that little insight <laughs> willingly i did. think he just wanted to finish the finish his marathon three weeks before i finished mine <laughs> well depending well Based on how my legs feel currently, it probably was best because I'm going to need this all this time to recover to walk around Disneyland. So, (laughs) well, and that's like six weeks away. Zach learned the hard way, the truth that when they say don't do anything different on race day. Yes. That you do from training. He learned the hard way that that is legitimately good advice. Yeah, because the reason I know that it was my nutrition and not how I was running is I did 20 miles a couple of weeks ago. And I was running with that pack that, you know, that Paige is talking about not doing anything different. And it had the drinks in both compartments that have the salt and the, the carbs and everything that you need. Uh, and I didn't have any cramping issues at all throughout the 20 miles. And I felt really good at the end of 20. So that's just, yes, if you're ever going to get into running and you're going to get to that moment in a race day, you're like, oh, they're going to have aid stations. I'm going to not do what I've been doing. Don't do that. Be smarter than me. Which is, you know, not that hard. <laughs> so, well, not that people tune in to listen to that, but there you go. Um, let's talk about our top three takeaways for Sunday. Did you start last week? You, I did. It's your turn. It is a uh, small update on the Patriots Dolphins game. Uh, Tua just threw a interception, but then the um, Patriots went three and out, and now. The the Dolphins have the ball back. So oh, what could have been disaster turned into goodness for the Dolphins. All right. So here I'll start it. Uh, mine's going to be the NFC South is actually really good. Question mark. Mm. So we have two of them already 2-0. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Chicago Bears this week. Beat them pretty easily. And the Atlanta Falcons came back. They were down going in, in the fourth quarter, down 12, I believe, end up coming back and winning on a, on a field goal, and they improved to 2-0. And then tomorrow night, it's NFC South showdown between the Saints and the Panthers. And if the Saints win, they'll be 2-0. So three teams in the division will be 2-0 to start the year. 
And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that they're showing that is actually replicable, replicable, butchering that word. But what I find really interesting about this is the fact that there's stuff that the Atlanta's doing. They have a really good, you know, starting to show that Arthur Smith's really good coach. He's, he's outlining a really tough kind of physical football team. They made smart signings like Jesse Bates from Cincinnati, who's been their safety, had two picks last week. Uh, they fly around. They have great offensive skill positions. You know, Drake London had a touchdown today. Tyler Jeer, Bijan Robinson had that fourth and inches call from Arthur Smith, which is still crazy when you think about it. You understand mm-hmm. the thinking. He was able to run the clock down to under a minute left, so they had no timeouts. But they, but they didn't have I, – I don't think they – I think they had maybe two timeouts left when they did it. And so if they don't get it, it's like, man, you could have taken the lead and at least had a chance to win. But he, they got it, and it was because of a great play by, made by Bijan Robinson. And so um, they've drafted really well. You know, Ritter is looking more and more comp- confident and more competent uh, the more reps that he gets. And then you go down the list, you have the Bucks with Baker Mayfield and, you know, a lot of players from the Super Bowl team still around. And, I mean, Mike Evans, 170 yards today. Looks a little bit slimmer, a little bit faster than he has been in the last couple of years. Uh, and then the defense is still really, really solid. And, and the team that I think is probably the best in the division, the New Orleans Saints, probably going to smack the Panthers around tomorrow. And all of a sudden, the division that was, quote unquote, the worst in football is now going to be, you know, records wise, one of the tops. I know the NFC has three 2-1-0 teams uh, and probably a little bit better in quality of teams. But I just think it's funny. You go into a season, you think you know what's going to happen. It was the first division that had complete turnover where all four quarterbacks were different from week one previously. But they're coming out the gate, and it's initially looking like it's going to be one of the stronger divisions in football. Yeah, Um, it's interesting. I feel like the uh, Buccaneers are the Seahawks of last year, where I feel like people just weren't or I think the Colts could be this too, where going into the season, it's like everyone doesn't have any expectations for the Bucs or for the Colts this year. And yet both of these teams have been able to come out and play some really, really incredible football with a lot of promising rookies and things like that. I think Bijan Robinson, like 19 carries today for 124 yards and that fourth and inches play, which was pivotal to the game success. It's like when you have a guy on your team that you can trust in those moments and Arthur Robinson, like he knows that that's his guy. I'm just so excited to see about what I'm just excited to see the progression of what the Falcons are building over there because there's just a lot of promising things. And then even like the Bucks today, they played the Bears, but Baker Mayfield didn't get sacked at all. Like he was and he's looking comfortable in the pocket these past two weeks, which I don't think we've seen him look comfortable in a pocket for four years. And so it's just cool to kind of see these teams that, as you mentioned, weren't really being talked about beforehand, kind of having these really awesome games against teams that we're projected to beat them. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. I just think, I just think we always, you always think, you know, it's going to happen year to year, but these starts like a quick two and zero start changes the entire environment in a locker room, you know, and, and for the Falcons now with what's ahead of them, they, they've gotten off to a start where they're allowed to have a couple of mistakes, but now there's belief around what our Arthur Smith is doing. And, and what he's trying to implement. Now there's belief behind Baker Mayfield and the team is rallying around him. Like it, it does so much to the psyche of a team when you're trying to implement new players, new coaching 
for you know for success to happen early and, and often that that leads to it you know leads to it later on in the year for what's sure. your what is your All right. first one my first one just coming hot out of the gate dallas cowboys i was hot on them before the season saying Uh-oh. that they're gonna win um their division but i don't know after watching these two games them being able to score uh 70 points the first two games of the season and just close out the games really, really quickly in the first half. Um, My biggest take is that the Dallas Cowboys are for real, for real, but that that defense reminds me so much of the 2013 Seattle Seahawks defense when Bobby Wagner, Cam Chancellor, and Earl Thomas were at their absolute best. And that is, and like, then you had Richard Sherman on the pass, like, that Seattle Seahawks defense just feels what the Dallas Cowboys defense feels to me right now. And what did that Seattle Seahawks defense do but win them a Super Bowl in February of 2014? And so I don't know. That's I that's that's my hot take right now. I am hot on the Dallas Cowboys. I think that they have all of the pieces to not only have a run in the playoffs, but to win the Super Bowl if that defense stays at that level of play. And Micah Parsons, if he continues to ball out like this, like I just can't wait to see what he does. No, they, you know, opening up against both New York teams is is pretty unique, and they thoroughly dominated both of them. What, what's the scoring? Seventy to ten yeah. overall in the in the first two games. So you know, when you look ahead to they they play the Cardinals next week. <laughs> that's that's pretty. Uh, that'll be ugly. I mean, Cardinals look really good, but again, first half. Yeah, uh, for the first half, uh, and you kind of look that they played. You know, the Patriots who um, are in a, in a in a rock fire right now. They're no easy easy out. But that October eighth game at six twenty, I believe that's just Sunday night. My goodness, at San Francisco, you know that is starting to heat up in terms of the rivalry again. Back from the '90s, uh, when they, you know, were both going to the Super Bowls, both the class of the NFC, and now the Niners have knocked them out of the playoffs back to back years. And then with the Eagles, are kind of the class of the NFC these last, you know, definitely last season, um, and looking forward into this season. So that that game I already have circled and, and looking forward to that Sunday night. That's one we're going to have to wait to start the Zoom until that game has finished, more than likely. So, um, no, it's really good. Mine, I, I'm trying to kind of like lump a couple because there's so many good storylines. Uh, but I think I'm just going to do like AFC quarterbacks as my second storyline. And I'll be quick with it, but you look at all these AFC quarterbacks has been kind of the talk of the offseason because most of them, you know, the top ones have all been paid, you know, whether it's really recently or a little bit later, you know, like Lamar Jackson. Uh, Josh Allen, uh, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, like all these guys have received their contracts. And some of them are just not, you know, up and down or not playing to the level of that that they you know, are accustomed to. And right now, Lamar Jackson's, you know, the only 2-0 team in the AFC is Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, which is kind of crazy to think about when you have a, a Kansas City Chiefs and a Patrick Mahomes, you know, with Patrick Mahomes and you have a Joe Burrow in the Cincinnati Bengals who they have looked absolutely terrible. They didn't score their first offensive touchdown of the season until you know six and a half quarters in. Their first touchdown of the year was a punt return for a touchdown. 
And, you know, and then Josh Allen, four turnover game on Monday night, and he plays a perfect, you know, near perfect game against the Raiders where he went 31 for 37, 274, and three touchdowns. And he spread the ball around to a number of weapons. So AFC quarterbacks, meaning that, you know, it's going, you know, all this money has been devoted to these guys who recently got paid and they're going to have to start, you know, performing up to that contract for their teams to hit the levels that they want. Because all the hype was to the AFC. All the hype was how good of a conference it is and how hard it is. And it's going to be a rock fight to get in. And that's true. But right now, it's not because these guys are in shootouts. It's because none of them are really, well, not none of them, but a lot of them aren't even really playing up to the level that they're currently getting compensated for. Yeah, it's actually crazy because I'm like the only other, I mean, if the Dolphins looks like they're going to be able to steal this win and they'll be, it's, it'll just be the Dolphins and the Ravens sitting at 2-0 oh, in the right. entire yeah. AFC. That's right. That was the other one. <clears throat> but yeah, I think there's something to that too. I mean, obviously you can talk about injuries. You can talk about different pieces of things that are impacting that, but it is just interesting when you're looking at like all of the quarterbacks that get talked about nonstop and none of them aside, Josh Allen had his comeback today. He played well, but it's like everybody else, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, like these guys who made major deals, just not really showing up yet. And so it's interesting to kind of see that maybe the AFC is going to be even tighter than we thought initially, not because they're such high win percentage, but because so many teams are sitting just above 500. Yeah. And I think that Kansas City Jacksonville game was so interesting because you know, my thought process with how the game, you know, my guess of how the game was going to go is, especially if you had told me how the Chiefs were playing that whole first half, was this is an opportunity for Trevor Lawrence and for the Jacksonville Jaguars to make a statement and to, you know, imprint themselves. And they did the exact opposite. And mm -hmm. the Chiefs kind of showed you, hey, that Super Bowl last year, that you know, the last four years, there's no fluke. We, we can have down weeks, but we really are the, still the team to beat in the AFC. And, you well, know, and it I was know, just like, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I know what the Dolphins and I know what the Ravens have done is impressive. But if you still made me, you know, gun to my head, pick a team, I would still choose the Chiefs because they've done it and and they continue to always defy against what people think, who think they're going to do. Yeah, I think even with the Kansas City Chiefs, too, it's like so much talk about, oh, Chris Jones, he hasn't been practicing. He's been out. But it's like Chris Jones still incredible conditions. And when he comes back into that offense, that defense, he just is able to set a rhythm and take control. And so that was definitely to their advantage today. Travis Kelsey, obviously fitting in easily and nicely. I think the best, the interesting thing is that the chiefs, I think the reason they won is because of their defense in the first half alone, it was just 3.8 yards per play forced the Jags to go two for seven on third downs and zero for one on fourth downs. And they held, they held Trevor Lawrence to just 101 yards on 20 passes and so, and the rush, the Jacksonville rush averaged for 3.4 yards per carry. And so it's like the Kansas City Chiefs defense is what sealed them that victory. And it's just interesting when you look at all of the AFC team wins today, it feels like those that won, it's because of their defensive play and not because of what their offense was doing on the field. Uh, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. What is your second one? My second one, I'm going more team-based today, but... My second one is that I think with all of the hype around the Detroit Lions, the conversation, the one kind of uh, the one kind of thing that 
they were missing all off season that I think Dan Campbell was always trying to find a solution for by bringing in different 11, like 11 different cornerbacks to try and fit into that defense is the fact that their secondary is going to be what costs them the games that they lose. And unfortunately I'm curious if that's going to be a bigger issue for them, because if Patrick Mahomes's receivers catch just two or three more passes in the week one opener, the Detroit Lions would have lost that game. And then they lost today because of weak secondary, because of low pass rush abilities. Like the with all the things that the Detroit Lions have going for them, with uh, Jared Goff being able to have seven different great targets on offense, if that secondary and that pass rush isn't able to find a rhythm and be able to hold teams, then the Detroit Lions are going to have a one of the most upsetting seasons because there's been so much hype going into it that I could just see that completely falling apart for them in the first six weeks of the season if they're not able to find some sort of solution. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Lions are able to bounce back from, you know, I would I would consider this a fairly disappointing day for that organization. And you know, for the game that they want to play and and how they kind of started that game out against the Seahawks and how, you know, loud the, you know, Ford, Ford is at Ford Arena, Ford, Ford Field was for the game and for, for them to kind of fall apart there towards the end, you know, it's got to be disheartening for them. And, you know, look at their schedule. They have the Falcons coming in uh, and then they go to Green Bay uh, and then they have the Panthers and they go to Tampa. Like there's a lot of games that you think, okay, they probably should win some of these at least initially. But would you be really shocked after what you saw today if the Falcons go in there and beat them? And then at that point, you know, then you're going to start getting really nervous about what you have in Detroit. And after all that hype after Week One, if it is going to be warranted uh, for how much love they have received. Mine. So you went with the Dallas Cowboys. That's a fair one. I'm going to use. Okay, this this isn't just to be like clickbait, but I but I think my thought is I think Eric Bieniemy. Think how I want to say is like the takeaway. Eric Bieniemy was more important to the Kansas Kansas City office offense than you think. Like if you look at where the Commanders have been the last couple weeks especially today, exploding for 35 points on the road with the quarterback making his third NFL start, jumping out to a 2-0 uh, record, uh, being, uh, you know, I think they were down 20. I think it was, was a 20-3 to three in the second quarter. Like, it was something they were down tremendously to begin the game. Anyway, and then you look at what Kansas City and how they've kind of trudged through the first couple games this year. Not that Andy Reid isn't going to figure it out or that it ha- doesn't have other issues that are a part of it. But I think Eric Bieniemy's football genius has been, had been so underrated and play calling had been so underrated because of who he was under in Kansas City that it can no longer be questioned now the type of play caller he is. He was able to get Sam Howell in tremendous rhythm. Be- Brian Robinson was able to run up and down the field and be a part of the screen game. Um, And so I think you got to appreciate it and you got to understand that, okay, you know, this play calling is one of those things that because it's not like right in front of your face, you kind of don't think about too much. 
But these guys who can call brilliant games like a Kyle Shanahan or like Miami, Mike McDaniel, uh, or an Eric Bieniemy, it's so underrated how easy and fluid when they get in a rhythm, how they make it seem, and how uncomfortable they can get a defense because they just know how to punch and counter punch and continue to you know call a good game. So not that the Chiefs won't figure it out, but I think just the state, the thing I took away after the 35 point of performance they put up in Denver, that Eric Bannany is was really important to what the Kansas City Chiefs have been doing the last several years. Yeah, it's so cool, too, because I think the first time in a hot minute, the Washington Commanders fan base is able to say, like, we have a team that can go into a game and make adjustments that make them victorious. And you can't but not point your finger at Eric, the enemy, being able to do that, because being able to take a a young quarterback like Sam Howell and kind of get him to make those adjustments in the middle of a game, I think is one of the most difficult feats that coaches have because they're so in their head. And once you have a couple bad things happen, it's easy to just let that kind of take you down the whole game. So love that. Love that take. Love that point. Really cool to see the commanders being able to actually take something away from that. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, all What's right. Your last you know one? My last one is going to be. Let's see. Uh-oh. My, okay, this is this is less less of a hot take and more of just like uh, something I've been thinking about all day long as in watching football. And I think that because watching the Jets offense, aside from like the 88 yard touchdown pass that Zach Wilson threw to Garrett Wilson. Um, it's interesting to me that when you have a team, I think one of the worst things that you can do in the NFL is try to mock what they do in the NBA. And in the NBA, majority of the time, it's a team will build around one player and give them assets to be successful. In the NFL, I think when you try to do that, it often is to the detriment of the organization because one, I just think that the likelihood of someone getting hurt in the NFL just feels higher and the and the impact of a hurt player in the NFL, especially a star one, um, feels so much higher because I feel like the playing field between the greatest in football and the rest of the men on the field can be so disparaging because of the amount of people that play on a football field. And so I just think that the worst thing that you can do in the NFL is think that one player is going to solve all of a team's issues. And I think that you saw that with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Because first, I don't think the Jets offense is going to be as bad this year as they look today. I think that they were playing the most difficult defense in the NFL and the organization just went through a really emotional week. And so you kind of could expect a dip in their play performance. But I do think that with the Jets putting going all in on Rodgers, Rodgers taking a pay cut to get all of the weapons there and like trying to build that Super Bowl caliber team without getting something in the wheelhouse for a backup. I just think that is where teams make some of the biggest mistakes and that the Jets and the Jets entire performance this season is going to be so underwhelming after all the preseason hype, simply because they made all of these adjustments. And I just think it's interesting that in those adjustments, they didn't go after another veteran or another young guy that they could bring into the organization as new blood or fresh blood that could be that person to back up Aaron Rodgers. Cause it's just, 
I don't know. I just think as a Jets fan, you just have to be a little bit disheartened by the fact that um, having to take Aaron Rodgers gets out on the fourth play of the season and is out the remainder of the year. And your solution is the person who's like has not been the answer for your organization over the past three. And so, yeah, that's my little, that's my little soapbox moment that the jets, they're going to, they're going to figure it out. They're going to be fine. I think you're going to see them pull out some wins, but football is such an interesting sport and people can get hurt at any time. And so you just have to, you got to have those key player positions figured out backup and otherwise, if you want to continue to push forward um, in the midst of injuries. Yeah, and I mean, they play the Patriots at home next week. Then they go to Kansas City go, or no. Yeah, they're sorry. They're home against the Patriots, home against the Chiefs, go to Denver. And then they're home against the Eagles, home against the Giants. Home, or Yeah, and then home against the Chargers. So, I mean, what I think they messed up was, you know, to your point, when they signed Aaron Rodgers and, and all the cap that he brought, they didn't want to have to eat Zach Wilson's cap. And whether they want to paint the, the whole idea that they, you know, wanted Aaron Rodgers to come in, help Zach Wilson, you know, coach him, teach him, and, and hopefully raise him up to be the successor, or they just didn't want to eat all the cap that a second overall pick would bring. And so they let Mike White walk and, and, and then didn't bring anyone else in because you don't bring in a high, you know, a high touted backup veteran when you have Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need that. And then this is what happens to you is you have to watch Zach Wilson throw three interceptions in Dallas and lose 30 to 10. So I think you're exactly right is they didn't plan for the worst and the worst. I mean, even if with that offensive line, even if it didn't happen the first play, I mean, he, Aaron Rodgers is 39 years old. You had to account at least that he's going to miss some time throughout the year. I mean, wouldn't you? And so they didn't plan for a worst-case scenario. They let Mike White, who I think is a better quarterback than Zach Wilson and has had bigger moments than Zach Wilson in the NFL, he would have been a, a capable backup. But they let him walk to the Dolphins, and now they have to watch the rest of the year go by with Zach Wilson and the team in his hands. And even if they were to get someone else, it, I mean, it's so hard to influx someone in the NFL. Like your point to the whole NBA thing, it's a lot easier to input someone into an NBA system because a lot of it is feel and sets are very similar and follow the same vein. The NFL is not that way. Offensive systems, especially the one that they've been implementing for Aaron Rodgers, is incredibly complex. And there's only a few people that you'd be able to bring in and have him start in the next week or two, that wouldn't be completely overwhelmed. And those guys are there mentally, but they're not there physically anymore because they're older veteran quarterbacks. And with that offensive line, they too would be hurt in a short order. So just a terribly planned out process that when the worst happened, they weren't prepared much to your point. Yeah, obviously just big disappointment for Jets fans across, but. Also, like one of those things where you just can't be too surprised as a Jets fan at this point. Because, no. and that's, I think that's the thing that shocks me the most is that for an organization that has the worst things happen to them, you would think that they would go worst case scenario <laughs> and work back from there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you had a couple questions of categories to, to talk to end the show. What were they again? Yes. 
First, do you regret any of your preseason hype about Justin Herbert and the Los <laughs> Angeles Chargers? Yes, very much. That was uh <laughs> listen, Brandon Staley should be fired. That was terrible. Uh they never should have lost the it's especially the Titans game, but um yeah, I mean, because uh I'm a Vikings fan. So they need to go 0 3. And so my 14 and 3 uh record prediction, 13 and 4 is uh unless they make one of the greatest runs you know winning 13 in a row is over so yeah i do regret it very much thank you thank you okay yeah just had to just had to put you on the hot mic there for a second on that one i thought we could get by also shout to the giants uh like we kind of briefly mentioned massive uh comeback Comeback. 20 nothing at halftime they were down 28 to 7 late into the third against the worst roster in the nfl they got it done what, they did. Did it, what did it cost? It cost Saquon Barkley an ankle injury. We'll see how long he's out with that. But, you know, starting 0-2 would have been an absolute uh, disaster. They they stay on the West Coast. Uh, they play Thursday against the San Francisco 49ers. And maybe they found some in offense, but I was just laughing that in six quarters of football, they'd been outscored 60 to nothing. So crazy. But. You know, they got it done. So good for yeah. them. And here's just a hoping that Saquon Barkley is not terribly injured. Facts. Facts. Uh, latest reports are thinking it's just a sprained ankle. So we're going to hope that that stays. Um, okay. Most important question of the day, Zach. What was your favorite uniform? Oh, easy. That's Pat the, pa- Pat the Patriot. They, the Dina, I should have let you ask me that one first no. because, ah, oh, the field. The oh, uniforms. Yeah. I literally just added this question because of how much I love the Patriots uniforms tonight. Yeah, the aesthetic is out of control. It looks so, so good. Like, just, I don't know why they do anything but this, if I'm being honest. Yeah. It's their best look. Uh, I mean, the set. It, I'll let you take the Patriots one. I'll take the Falcons with the red helmets. Those are. Yeah, those we do are love really, a red helmet day. Those are really good. Throwback Falcons helmets. So you can have the Patriots. I'll take those ones. Thank you. The Patriots. Their defense keeps giving them opportunities, and Mac Jones just keeps not fulfilling those opportunities right now. Sounds like the last two years. 17-24, the, the Dolphins just missed a field goal that would have sealed the game, and now it's second and 18 for the Patriots. <laughs> there you go. What was your favorite play of the day, Paige? Oh, favorite play of the day. You know what one I loved seeing? What was that guy's name? Rookie on the. Oh, no, this is such bad podcasting. I'm supposed to have it pulled up. Um, Kylan Granson scored his first rush TD, his first TD in the NFL. And I just love seeing that a first a first TD because like the excitement that you can feel from that person in their celebration, especially on his because it took a minute for it to get 100 percent confirmed that it was, in fact, a touchdown. Um, but yeah, just love, just love seeing that. Love seeing his reaction and his excitement. And football's just the greatest sport. It is. Uh, mine would be the Tyler Lockett game winner. Oh, that was to beat the Lions. Big day for the NFC North. Uh, if you're a fan of the Vikings, because all three teams lost, and as long as they win next week, all is well. Truly, yeah. so. What is it about a touchdown that's scored by hitting the pile on that just feels so exciting? Well, it's also a dumb play to make. If we watch Thursday night, apparently, you know, 
don't they you know it's one of the best plays to watch but apparently nfl doesn't want you to do it so yeah so dumb stupidest rule in the nfl just gonna point that out um we don't need to go down that rabbit hole but well thank you Paige. any other thoughts no let's move on to week three we got our well preview. i guess we still got we still got monday night football of week two so we're not yeah, moving any, on too quick uh throw i know we already did our prediction pod but again who do you have saints panthers i got the saints i got the saints on that one as well brown steelers i got the browns i got the browns as well so the Browns would, if they win, would join the two zero club for the AFC. So it end with uh, with uh, six. There, if the pan, if the Saints win, there'd be seven two zero teams in the NFC, and if the Browns win, there'd be three in the AFC. So. And I don't think anybody would have called that three weeks ago uh, at the beginning of the season. Not at all. Well, thank you, everybody. We have our preview pod coming out Friday. Make sure to check the the uh, wavelengths for that uh, to check our reaction to the Thursday night game, as well as see what we have in our predictions coming up for week three. We will also provide a, uh, I guess a counter for our total prediction. Who's been the right the most and who's been wrong the most. So, I mean, I'm already owing to the Chargers, So, and, and the Vikings. So, so I'm already owing four. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's not looking good for Mr. Zachary. No, it is not. Actually, I think the Vikings just be own one because we don't ever get a pick for the Thursday night game because we record. So maybe I'm good. True. All righty. Well, thank you. Um, I'm going I'm to put a pencil in it now. The 49ers are winning Thursday night. Yeah, I'll take that one too. <laughs> Easy dub. Thank you for listening to this episode of the History Podcast. I'm Zach Ben alongside my sister Paige. Make sure to rate, five stars, share with your friends. Thank Leave you. Leave a review. We'll see you Friday. Skull Vikings. <laughs>